You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. So Pascal, this week we're going to talk about a relatively recent film, but before we talk about the relatively recent film, we're once again going to have to go back in time just to tee this up. Do you remember in 1982 that fabulous film called Blade Runner? Oh my goodness. And you know what I remember actually was the radio adverts on on French radio stations and the music by Vangelis and the very much like we mentioned before, the anticipation to go to the movies, to go and see this movie. And then once you can you see the trailer on TV and so on. But uh, I remember one film critic saying about Blade Runner that was obviously um, created in 1982. This is sci-fi at its best. It is as good as it gets. And, and I think that to me was it, which is this was the ultimate uh, sci-fi movie it had everything that you would want from something that was looking to the future but also had you know good lessons and good morals and some really compelling character primarily obviously played by Harrison Ford yeah and at the time at the time I think the studios bottled it didn't they <laughs> they thought that the visuals are too dark the storyline might be a little bit too uh, might need the audience to do a little bit more work than they would normally do so the studio bottled it and original the original release of the film had a fairly dreadful voiceover um, to explain the plot to people which you know is always a bad sign uh, Eventually, they they corrected that by launching uh, a director's cut, which did away with that dreadful voiceover and effectively let the audience do what they should have done and use their intelligence to to uh, fit mm. the plot together. But I guess because of that original version was a little bit ropey, it wasn't an immediate massive box office success. But over the years, it has gained so much more accolades and fans and 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 great feedback and great reviews and yes it is indeed one of the most amazing science fiction films that ever has ever been made i mean the visuals the the representation of that future rain splattered earth that horrible dark dank city you know unbelievable visuals and naturally people wanted a sequel and I think that Blade Runner has been one of those films which we've been pro- we'd been promised a sequel for years and years, and then it was going to happen, and then it wasn't, and then it's going to happen, and then it wasn't, and finally, in 2017, we get the sequel, Blade Runner 2049. Now, the original Blade Runner was set in 2019, and therefore the 30 years has elapsed in real time has elapsed within the film timeline as well and i think you would agree that the marketing build-up and i guess the anticipation just from being an original blade runner fan for those 30 years that build-up combined with the marketing build-up really set us up for something truly spectacular but did it actually fulfill on its promise pascal so we're now talking about blade runner 2049 that's the film that was released a few years back 
So I want to talk to you about the, the, the marketing, the lead up, and then I'll ask your views and I'll share mine about the, the film itself. But just reacting as well to your comment about, you know, the studios lost their nerves about the 1982 version. I was thinking, my goodness, this poor director, Ridley Scott, you know, how much does he have to do to prove himself and be left alone to, to get on with the work? Because by that time, he, he'd produce Alien and, and a few other films. But, you know, we are where we are. And so with regard to the Blade Runner 2049, I somehow must have missed that they were thinking about it because my first surprise was to see the teaser posters where they reproduced you know, the calligraphy of the original Blade Runner movie and with the year 2049, I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? And then soon after we had posters which were essentially it was artwork as far as I was concerned. Remember the, the very, very first one where you felt you could ha you could frame this and have it in, in your house or your, your kind of uh, den, den of geekery. Um, so I, I was really excited about the teasers in particular. Absolutely right. I mean, it, it the vi let, let's face it, the, the visuals within both Blade Runner films are fabulous. The cinematography was great. The colour, the colour palette, if that's the right word, was amazing. And and the way that that transcribed into the visuals for the marketing, to me, is 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 one of the best parts of the experience. It's just whether the actual <laughs> ultimate film was, mm. was worth actually waiting for. And then you've got the first teaser trailer. So we had it on static images and access those posters. I would encourage any of you to seek them out online. They are beautiful. Then you've got the teaser trailer. I think it was barely 30 seconds. And it begins with the voice of Descartes, you know, played by Harrison Ford. And, with, um, and I'm pretty sure it was from the original Blade Runner. And there was just in the background a bit of a sound from the original music. It gave me a good pimple. I was like, oh my <laughs> goodness, you know, this is going to be truly outstanding. And the first signs where the first bits where I got a bit nervous when, when they started to do the new posters, which felt very, very marketing y. I mean, it was yes. felt like it'd been done by someone that just learned to use Photoshop. <laughs> and the trailers, the full version, I was thinking, oh, I'm not so sure about this. I mean, how did you feel when the marketing machine took over? It, it made me wonder, a bit like you, I thought the original teasers, again, it, it, the setting up a, a thing of beauty here, and then then they, it was almost like they started to, to dismantle it mm. before we even got to the launch. So it felt to me as if they'd done a fabulous job of teeing up the film initially and the marketing was working and I was getting excited. And then all of a sudden it was almost like they'd given the marketing job to somebody else <laughs> yes, yes. who had a completely different view and a completely different vision. And he started to effectively undo all the emotions and the feelings that I had about the way the film was coming together. No, no, I would agree. And then it carried on. You know, we had, a, I think, a second trailer. We had more of this, more of that. And, you know, even when they did the uh, the rounds, you know, talking on, on chat shows and so on, I was thinking, oh, I just don't know about this. And then the rumor started with regard to Harrison Ford not being in a film that much. And I went, well, hang on a minute, because when you watch the teasers or when you look at, you know, the uh, the posters and so on, the impression, because, of course, his voice is used a lot, is that the character 
is obviously will carry on for, with the same character for 30 years. And then I've got nothing against Ryan Gosling. And I think that the character he played of Kay, another LAPD uh, officer, you know, chasing obviously the, um, you know, being the replicant, the Blade Runner sort of chasing the replicants. But I started to think on a minute, you know, where, where are we going to get here? Because my hero is Descartes, you know, and I need to know whether or not that I'm going to get that. Yeah, again, when, when we eventually did watch the film and, you know, my initial impressions of the film was it did look beautiful uh, and they tried to maintain that sort of the way the storytelling was quite, um, you know, detailed in close-ups and uh, and the, the way they they use the scenery and the and the the weather and the the emotion and the and the and the color schemes and the storytelling is quite, even in the original was quite slow but it was never boring because i thought that it was it needed that detail but it felt labored and i was i kept waiting for harrison ford to appear mm. and you know half an hour goes by where's harrison you know 45 minute goes by where's harrison an hour goes by you know and you think is is harrison actually going to appear other than as a you know in the post-credit sequence or something like that and then and then finally he's there and it all seems to wrap up quite quickly and not very satisfactorily so i just felt like i'd been i'd been um bait and switched in some way and that i've been waiting 30 years for something that didn't actually although it looked beautiful it just didn't actually fulfill its promise no, you're absolutely right. And you know, I just realized actually that um, only the previous episode, we, we did discuss a sequel. I just realized that that's what we've done purely by accident. Again, viewers and listeners yeah. don't, so don't think that we, we, we are that smart, that we can do things like this. So we spoke about, obviously, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And mm. we, obviously, we had a very, very different reaction. Please do go back and watch and listen to this. But for this one, uh, I remember actually I went to the um, Tyne Science Cinema in Newcastle upon Tyne with uh, our good friend Richard Tubb to go and see yes. it. Yes. And I remember we actually had lunch in town. We were talking. We were excited. We were reminiscing about Blade Runner, the 1982 version. We sat there, and I'm pretty sure we didn't speak to each other, but I could I could tell. And then when we left, we walked upstairs to they, they have a wonderful restaurant and bar, the Tyneside Cinema, and we just sat there, looked at each other, thinking, oh. oh, you know. And there's nothing worse as a film fan, film goer, to feel just a little disappointed and down and sometimes i feel bad for the makers because i know all too well how much effort goes into creating an amazing movie and, and listen this was nearly three hours of visual spectacle and treat but we sat there thinking ah oh, yeah hmm Nah, and uh, and there, there we are. And for me, like you, I was thinking, well, you know, you, you suggested to us as part of the marketing that um, our hero Deca would be with us. And then when he did appear, I do have a thing about this idea of a hero that is brought back into a sequel has changed into a grumpy old man, Roger. And yeah. I, I, need to, I need to kind of challenge that, you know, the way they've done with Luke Skywalker and many other, you know, franchises. I'd like to think that when you and I, you know, are met uh, in the future by other people, we're not going to be grumpy old men, but actually having a great, great life, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a really interesting observation. I hadn't really thought about the Luke Skywalker Deckard thing there, but you're absolutely right. And... Uh, uh, again, it, it felt to me as that they try to replicate the strong characters from the original film, but they failed. The visuals, I do think they got right, but mm -hmm. the pacing, they tried to replicate that intricate, painstaking detail of the original, but they didn't quite get that right as well. So that 
that failed. I think some of the you know the returning characters like the 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 um, Rachel was in it to a certain extent as well and hints to the past, but that didn't quite work and it just felt as if that they just were going through a we we need to tick the visuals box we need to tick the returning characters box but they didn't really they didn't think of it as a whole it was just mm. a series of boxes to tick no. and that's why it just didn't it just didn't land what it what it does make me wonder pascal and again we 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 do try to focus on the marketing for this is that if you have something which i mean they must have known that it wasn't going to be as good as the original and but they've got to promote it. They've got to get people to go and sit in the cinema and watch it. Uh, but can you actually genuinely market something which is subpar and then expect people to agree with the marketing thing? Yeah, that was fab. The marketing said it was fab, so it was fab. When, in fact, they know that it's going to be a bit of a dud. You know, do, do you not have to... <laughs> Some films are just, okay, we, we know it's going to be... The, the reviews are going to mm. be rubbish, so we'll just sort of... We'll release it straight onto DVD. Maybe it was just the whole impetus for this film was just so great that they couldn't do anything other than try to push it as strongly as they did. I don't know. I mean, to, I'm going to uh, agree with you. When you look at the teaser posters and teaser video... It feels like it was a, an individual or group of individual team that really understood the mythology of Blade Runner and the world. And then the team that took over from there didn't. Um, perhaps, you know, and they just applied almost, you know, yeah, those colors will do that layout. Uh, it frankly, resembled almost the kind of action films you see, like Fast and Furious and so on, in terms of presenting the, the different characters. But, you know, to your point, though, um, Harrison Ford, the character of Descartes, had his own profile poster, which that's what they do. Now they split the characters of the different story. So they did that, and it was just so, so strange because he was suggesting, therefore, it was almost in my head, I was, well, he'll basically have a rookie played by Ryan Gosling, and, and through essentially their interaction, we're going to discover the world 30 years later, and they're going to explore still this idea of what happens to essentially artificial uh, human beings, you know, the, 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 um, forgive the, the replicants, I beg your pardon. Uh, it was Nexus, Nexus 6 in the 1982 version, and we're in, in Nexus you know, 15, and we are upgraded, and they are even more uh, lifelike and human-like, and what is, obviously, you know, what are we going to explore? Because that was essentially part of the theme. And and I felt that they were not exploring anything new or anything at all. And what was actually also great about the first one is you know the fact that there was a Tyler Corporation, a, Ty a Tyrell Corporation, I think it was uh, the name, and there was therefore you know a whole organization behind it that they were also uh, up against. And here we had a bit of a bad, a bit of a psychopath that used to kind of uh, you know talk to himself and um, you know do a few gruesome things, but I didn't believe in the threat from the corporation, which is also at the heart of uh, the first one. So I think you're right. Really, really can't fault the movie visually. And indeed, I'm told that now that you know what the movie is all about, watching it again on Blu-ray makes it uh, actually a great, enjoyable movie. But first time sat at the movies with uh, my good friend Richard, I, was, I felt that I'd been misinformed slightly and just shortchanged because I think, well, it, it should have been a better story for sure. Yeah, I think the lesson is that, you know, marketing, <laughs> the, the actual communications part of marketing, the, the, the promotion part of marketing, however hard you try, if your product isn't 
hitting the spot. If you haven't done your job, uh, understanding what your customers want and delivering it, then the marketing of the actual product is always going to fail to a certain extent or at least over deliver on something which isn't going to live up to people's expectations so i think that's probably the first time on two geeks in a marketing podcast that we haven't been hanging from the ceiling with enthusiasm for Mm. one of the films that we've reviewed but i'm not actually apologizing for that because i think sometimes you do have to look at the ones that haven't quite hit the mark because you can learn just as much from the ones that have been a bit flat than you can from the ones that have been absolutely buzzing. I've got a question for you, Ashley, just before we wrap up um, on film marketing in general, and particularly this movie, Blade Runner 2049. So they did, because they could, this was released in 2017. Interestingly, uh, released worldwide pretty much within the working week, which I thought was interesting as well. There was no long delays that we've known in the past. But I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on social media when marketing a film. And so they will make a big song and dance about the official website and the official Facebook page, usually in Instagram and so on. But for me, the challenge, and I don't have an answer really, but I'm just perplexed, you know, when you are the the production team and so on, and a movie is now literally, you know, three and a half years uh, old, how do you keep, you know, the Facebook page running? Uh, how do you keep, you know, the, the content running and make it interesting? Or do you accept that it's uh, for a while and then you have pretty much a, um, you know, kind of dormant page where the, I think the last time they post anything relevant to the film was probably a year ago, if not longer? That's a very good question. Uh, I, I guess that unless there's another sequel in the planning, um, I, I imagine that they'll, they'll get to a point where they'll just say there is just isn't enough interest um, and whether they're checking the views on the page mm. to see how many people are still coming in, it, it'll just get to the stage where everybody's been redeployed elsewhere and they're, they're not prepared to spend the money on somebody keeping the social yeah, media yeah. page updated. It's another one, isn't it? Because, I mean, yeah. from the, you and I, I suppose, you know, primarily from the business um, world as opposed to filmmaking world, the, to leave a any form, any platform that controls your brand and your reputation essentially uh, unattended for a long time is is a big no-no but uh, what is the answer for a film you know can you keep the you know the engagement going for years to come or do you agree that there's a time where it has to stop but then do you need to make it uh, almost like make a formal announcement saying you know that is it the last post for you know blade on 2049 thanks again for your support and please come back to look at the archives as opposed to just a post from a year and a half ago with no other form of communication personally i would like them to bring it to an end and just say just as, you, as you've said thank you this is the end and then it stops and it becomes an archive because otherwise it's almost a like it started out as the shop window is the trailblazer for it. But then at the moment, it's almost like become a, a gravestone, hasn't it? Yeah. For the Blade Runner movie. So here you go. For you, viewers and listeners, what would you do if you were in yeah. charge of the Facebook page for Blade Runner 2049? What, what would you do with it and still create a sense of excitement? We'd love you to hear from your thoughts on that. Well, Pascal, what a show. We've Mm. talked about lots of audio stuff, and that was unexpected. Uh, I I really feel upbeat about all the things that we talked about in in today's episode, and I can't wait to listen to it back, and obviously can't wait to get it out there for everybody else to listen to and watch. So, guys, thank you so much 
once again for listening and watching Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. Please do subscribe either on YouTube or on your favourite podcasting app. Leave us comments, ask us questions, leave suggestions in all the usual places. Until next time, please do go out there and make sure that your marketing is done right. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Fintoni. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.